Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 this morning as we come to our celebration of Christ's resurrection. The question that it seems that everybody is asking these days is, how is it going to end? How will we know when the pandemic has come to an end? Last year, we had to cancel our in-person Easter services. We did what we could to provide an appropriate Easter, although one that was pre-recorded and had to be watched at home. Our hope at that time was that in a month, we would have a make-up Easter service. Everyone packed in, shoulder to shoulder, singing and celebrating. But once it became apparent that wasn't going to happen, we decided that September Man, September, of course by September it's going to be over. We'll pull out all the stops. Choirs, the brass, the processionals, communion served by elders, not these little cups that we have to deal with. And of course that didn't happen. And now we're back to Easter. And we're so very thankful for the privilege of worshiping together. We're overjoyed that more and more people are able to come back. And yet it has not ended. As glorious as this day is, it's not all that it could be or all that it will be one day. So how will it end? I think we all want our generation's version of VJ Day. We want the crowds to flood the streets in celebration. We want our version of Times Square erupting in praise, complete with the sailor kissing the young nurse in celebration. We're yearning for that day when the CDC or Dr. Fauci or President Biden will say, it's over. You can resume life as normal. But it seems less and less likely that we will get such resolution, that we will get our victory parade. We watch the news. We scroll Facebook. We read the paper. We listen to talk radio looking for the conclusion, looking for the resolution, hoping that we will come to a satisfying end, but to no avail. And our hearts are continually asking the question, when will it end? We don't just ask this about the pandemic, but we ask, when will wars end? When will hurricanes and wildfires cease? When will injustice be no more? When will accidents stop happening? When will gun violence find its conclusion? When will disease be overcome? When will we have the victory that we long for? How is it going to end? It's as if we're perpetually stuck in a soap opera or a season of 24. Each episode promises to bring a conclusion in the next episode. But with each new episode, it brings its own set of unanswered questions. And we are strung along, always being left unsatisfied. We're looking for the end. However, the resolution that our hearts desire is not going to be found in the posts or pages of the New York Times or Fox News. But rather, we come together this Easter Sunday with the belief that our resolution is to be found in the good news. The gospel announcement that has been proclaimed for the past 2,000 years. Christ is risen. 
In our passage for this Easter Sunday, we come to see that the end we desire has already occurred. And by faith in Christ, even now, we might experience the resolution for which we so long. So hear now the word of the Lord, Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now on this Resurrection Sunday. Longing for resolution, longing for answers, longing for release. We pray, O God, that by the power of your Spirit, that you might open our eyes to see the power of Christ and his resurrection and the new life we have in Him. We pray this in His holy name. Amen. When you know how things end, it can take the fear out of the experience. When we lived in Gaffney, South Carolina, we had a neighbor who was so invested in USC baseball that he had to record all the games before he would watch them so that he could find out who won and then only then go back and see the ending. To me, this seems to take all the fun out of watching a game, a game like Gonzaga and UCLA last night. The excitement was to see how would it end. But our friend had to see the end before he could watch because it was literally a matter of life and death. His blood pressure would become so elevated if his beloved Gamecocks were in trouble that he was actually in danger of having a stroke or a heart attack. And for some of you, for all of us, life can pose such a threat to our physical and mental health. But there is no need to fear. For every Christian can and must know the end of our conflict. Look at verse 9 of our text. Paul says, We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. Paul says, We know. This is the basics of the Gospel. Jesus rose from the dead. And because He rose from the dead, He will never die again. Whether you believe this or not, most likely everyone listening to this message knows the reason for Easter is Jesus' resurrection. However, we might not realize the implications of the resurrection on this world 
and the resolution it brings to our conflicts. Paul says something in verse 10 that we need to understand. He says that the death Jesus died, he died to sin. Now, what does he mean when he says that Jesus died to sin, right? He can't mean that Jesus stopped sinning. It's not like Jesus was sinning and then he died and so he stopped sinning. Jesus was without sin. He never gave in to temptation. So what does it mean that he died to sin? Well, the answer comes from the preceding phrase where Paul says that death no longer has dominion over him. This is what is going on. Paul conceptualizes death as a kingdom, as a realm of existence, as a dominion. And within this dominion, sin is in control. Sin reigns. It's the administration that is over this current world. But through his death, Jesus escaped the authority of sin and death. You see, when Jesus was born, he was born into a world of sin. A world broken by death. And he lived in this world. He submitted himself to weakness, to pain, to temptation, to betrayal, to national and relational conflict, to financial burdens, to governmental abuse. And he submitted himself even to death. Jesus came into this world and he experienced all the hardships that you are currently experiencing. He lived in a broken world. And he desired that brokenness to come to an end as well. And what Paul is saying is that when he died, he died to this world. That is, he made his escape. He was dropped behind enemy lines. He lived in the realm of the kingdom of darkness. But when he died, he escaped this broken realm. In May of 1960, an American spy plane pilot Gary Powers was shot down over the Soviet Union. And he was captured and held in Russia for almost two years. But on February 10th, 1962, he was released and allowed to come back to the United States. This is the point. At that moment of his release, Powers was released from the dominion of communism and he was brought into the dominion of freedom. As he walked from East Berlin to West Berlin, he died to the authority of the USSR and he began to live to the authority of the USA. We live in a world that is marked by sin and through sin, death. This is the current administration. This is the current regime. Sin and death. But Jesus defected from this realm. He escaped this realm. In his death, he died to sin. He left it behind. Never to be subject to pain. Never to be subject to hardship or sorrow or temptation, injustice, violence or death again. To understand how it ends, we must understand that in his death to sin, there was the end of sin's reign over him. The death of Christ is how sin and death and brokenness find their end. However, the resurrection of Christ means that the end is really the beginning. Look down at verse 10. Again, the second half of it will be our focus. It says, for the death he died, he died to sin, right? He left the realm of sin. Once for all. 
But the life he lives, he lives to God. Just as sin has a dominion and a kingdom, so too does God. And as verse 10 says, when Jesus left the realm of sin, he entered into the realm of the kingdom of God. Jesus went into the grave seemingly defeated by this world. He had been betrayed, unjustly accused and executed. He went to the cross and poured out his blood. Upon him was placed the sin of the world. He underwent the torment of God's wrath against sin on our behalf. And then he died. And the regime of death does not let its victims go. But by the power of His indestructible life, Jesus defeated death. The cords of death could not hold Him. For on the third day, the stone was rolled back and the tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. He is risen. But He is not risen to live under the authority of sin any longer. But by His resurrection from the dead, He opened up the path into a new kingdom, into a new realm, into a new day. This new realm of existence is one in which Jesus lives as a renewed being. This means first that His body is no longer subject to disease or death or weakness. As verse 9 says, He will never die again. His body was sown in weakness but raised in power. And that means... No arthritis, no flu, no coronavirus, no more autoimmune disorders, no heart disease, no cancer. Jesus used to be subject to all of these weaknesses. But now, as he went out of the kingdom of death into the kingdom of God, he exists in strength. Could you imagine? Can you imagine the joy and the freedom To live without the limitations of death and sin and brokenness and pain. Or the glory of never forgetting what you knew you knew. To live to God means that disease and weakness has ended and strength and vitality and fruitfulness has begun. It also means that in this new realm of existence, there's no longer temptation to sin. It's hard for us to imagine this, but the Word of God is clear. Jesus had to fight the temptation of sin His whole life, just as we do. It was a constant burden that He had to lift, a constant fight to endure. But that fight is now over. His warfare is ended. And now He can freely live to God, no longer struggling against fear or doubt and anger. Lust is no longer tugging at His heart. The desire to bend the truth or to take what has not been earned no longer pulls at Him. Sin has ended its assault and God is now living in Christ Jesus without sin. And third, in this new realm of existence, There is no longer darkness. Rather, it is a complete world of light and love. That is to say, Jesus lives in the ever-glorious presence of God the Father. No longer is there separation, but there is union. There is love, there is fulfillment, and there is joy. The face of the Father ever shines upon His beloved Son in this new realm. And within this union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the height of all existence's meaning and purpose. You see, we often fail to understand the radical nature of the resurrection. The Word of God is not just claiming that Jesus 
merely spiritually rose from the dead. Nor is it claiming that he overcame death in merely a metaphysical or rather metaphorical sense. The celebration of the resurrection is that the body of Jesus Christ went into the ground dead and that on the third day his self-same body came out of the ground alive. And that even now the man Christ Jesus continues to exist body and soul. He did not give up His body. Jesus has not left aside His hands and His feet. The freedom that Christ has from death is not gained by giving up on physical. Rather, it's by defeating sin and living to God, renewing both spiritual and physical existence for all time. It is defeating and escaping the kingdom of darkness to live in the kingdom of light. Jesus made an end of death. And He began the reign of life. Now, if you looked at my outline, you would think that I might be a little mixed up here. The end is at the beginning. The beginning is in the middle. And now the middle is at the end. How much more mixed up could we be? But this is how we as Christians must live because of the resurrection. We must come to know that the end is in the past, that the beginning is still to come for us who are in Christ, and therefore we must live in the middle. What do I mean by that? Look down at verse 11. There Paul says, Paul's taking now what he said about Christ. Christ has died to sin. He's escaped that realm. He now lives before God, freed from all of the hardship and the brokenness of sin into an existence of the glorious presence of God and His love for all eternity. That's what Christ has accomplished. And now he says, so you, he's applying it now, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God and Christ Jesus. You see, Christians believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are really and truly joined to Jesus Christ. We are like branches and He is like the vine. We are engrafted into Christ so that all that He has accomplished is considered our accomplishment. All that He has won becomes our possession. We're like a third string kicker on a Super Bowl winning team. We get to enjoy the benefit of a championship we did nothing to achieve. We're a part of the team, so we get the ring, we get the celebration, we get the victory that somebody else won. That means, according to verse 11, we are to consider ourselves dead to sin. Now, we still struggle with sin. We still deal with the effects of sin. But if you have been joined to Christ by faith, then you are considered dead. The chains have been broken. You no longer live under the authority and regime of death. Sin is no longer your master. Your citizenship is no longer in this world because Jesus died to sin. You too who are in Christ have died to sin. You were once held by the chains of your guilt. You were bound to death's power. But as Christ poured out His blood, He paid the ransom price for your sin. He sprung the trap. He broke open the prison's gate. And now He is leading a great host of captives out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of freedom, into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God. When Paul says you must consider yourself dead to sin, 
He means you need to realize, Christian, that in Christ you no longer live under sin's authority. You are like a resident alien in this world. You are a sojourner whose citizenship belongs elsewhere. This is what Paul means when he says in Colossians 1, Christ has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You are dead to sin. Like the Israelites of old delivered from slavery to Egypt. You who have been joined to Christ have been delivered from slavery to death to now live in the kingdom of God. As Paul says in verse 11, you you are dead to sin, but alive to God. You see, all that Jesus has received in His resurrection, His glorious resurrected body free from death, His blessed state of freedom from sin, His victory and authority, His eternal loving communion with the Father, that is our promised inheritance. For when Christ returns, we will be raised with a resurrection like His. That is our hope. That is to what we look to. We will be raised in a body that is full of strength and vitality. We will live in complete holiness, free from our sin, and we will live before the loving face of God forever. But now we must live in the middle. We must continue to live in the tension of a salvation that has been won, but a salvation that has not come yet in its fullness. We have died to sin, but we still live in a world of sin. We still have to deal with death and hardship and struggles. We hurt people and we are hurt by people. But we can live in the middle because we look at all the brokenness of this world in faith and we consider that we are no longer bound to this fate. Death is not the end of our story. The end of death has already come because Christ has caused death to die. And we look to the future in faith knowing that by the resurrection, a new world, a new kingdom has been opened up. And a world of light and life has come. A world in which all the struggles of this world are ended. As the book of Revelation describes it in chapter 21, Christ will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. But we must live in the middle. For we are still traveling to that land. We are still awaiting the inheritance to come. We have seen it from afar. We have tasted it by God's grace. We have been given the Holy Spirit as a seal witnessing to its reality. But the fullness of the new beginning is still to come. So we must live in the middle. By faith considering that we have died to the power of sin. And that we now live under the power and blessing of God. Living in the middle is not always an easy task. It means that we have to continue to live in a world with hardship and conflict and fear. To live in the middle means that sin and death will continue to exert power in our lives. But we must consider, Paul says, that we have died to sin and that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. We live between two worlds, one of death and one of life. The decisive victory has been won. However, we remain sojourners, strangers, and aliens in this world. And this means that we have to have faith each day to live out our death to sin and our new life in Christ. 
They say that those who are imprisoned for decades have a hard time not existing in a controlled and institutional life. Those who defect from oppressive governments have to continue to remind themselves that they are no longer being controlled, no longer being watched. They have been freed, but they find it difficult to live out their freedom. And you, Christian, who are held in the chains of sin and of death for so long, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God and Christ. You are no longer a prisoner to death. You don't have to ask how it will end. It is already ended. Yes, we continue in a world with disease and violence, marital tension, financial hardships, natural disasters, oppressive governments and wars. But all of these hardships have met their end. All that is broken and corrupted in this world has been solved. For Christ died to sin and He now lives to God. And therefore we can take up the cross of our own suffering each day knowing the end, knowing that death is dead, knowing that Christ has won. How will it end? How will the pandemic come to a resolution? When... When will we be able to throw off all the struggles that this year has brought upon us? For it is not merely a health crisis that has come upon us. This has been a crisis of governing authority. It's been a crisis of societal structures. It's been a crisis of relational conflict. It's been a crisis of familial strife. So when will it end? This Easter morning, I remind you, The victory has already been won. You can stop looking for the end. You can stop pining for normal. You can stop your endless search for resolution wherever that search may have taken you over this past year. For all the threads of the story come together in one point, one person, one moment of victory. It is on Friday we ask how will it end. But on Sunday morning, all the pain and all the suffering and all the sorrow and brokenness has come to an end. Wars have found their end. Disease has met its cure. Death has lost its sting. The coronavirus ended at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Injustice ended at the resurrection. Terrorism lost its terror at the resurrection. And therefore, we who live in the middle between the end of death and the beginning of new life go forward in great hope. We can stop looking for the end. It has occurred. And Easter is our day of celebration. Easter is our day of freedom. Our worship is our celebration of a new day dawning. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And so we live in the middle knowing that the end has come. And striving toward the beginning that will dawn a glorious day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now at this time, and we praise you because Christ is risen. The end has come, and we now look for the dawn of the new day the beginning when Christ will return. Let us, God, walk in the power and the strength and the hope that we have died to sin and that through Christ we live to you both now and evermore. Amen.